So many Texans were affected by this storm that I, I know that we can't just ignore it. And thankfully we are in session right now because with us being in session, we can, we can tackle it right now. We have laws on the books that call for better communications right now. And so sometimes it doesn't even require passing new laws. It's just digging out the books and saying, hey, we have this law right now. Our state agencies need to be doing a better job, whether it's the EUC or whether it's the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. We are reaching across the aisle a little bit better right now because of this emergency situation and, and people understanding everybody's lives were affected, whether they're Republican, Democrat or not a party at all. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Austin Common Radio Hour. I'm your host, Amy Stansberry, and today we've got a bit of a mini episode for you because I wanted to give you all a quick update on the Texas legislature and what they're doing in response to last month's winter storm and all the electricity outages. If you're like me, you've probably got a lot of questions about what our state lawmakers can actually do to prevent this kind of crisis from happening again and what we can do as Texans and their constituents to be sure that real changes are made. To walk us through it all, our guest for today is Representative Vicki Goodwin, who actually serves in the Texas House and represents parts of Travis County. Okay, here's that interview. All right. Hi, everyone. I am here with State Representative Vicki Goodwin, and we're going to be talking all about the state legislature today. Thanks for joining us. Yes, it's good to be here. Um, so just to start real quick. Um, can you tell folks which district you represent and where that is? I represent House District 47, which is Western Travis County, goes all the way from Laga Vista and down through far South Austin. All right. And you serve in the Texas House. Yes. Um, and for folks that don't know, that's that that's that pink dome building in downtown Austin. That's where you work. <laughs> yes, I'm here in Austin. Lucky to live here and work here. Uh, don't don't go to Washington, D.C. All right. Um, and so I want to jump right into it. I know this has been probably a crazy week for you. Um, obviously, I'm sure you're getting a lot of questions about it, but I think people want to know what is the legislature doing now? Um, you know, we had this crisis last week um, with the freeze and so many Texans were affected. And pretty much immediately you saw calls from legislators all over the state saying we have to do something about this. And a hearing was held this week. Can you give people a little update about what the legislature has been doing since this freeze happened? Absolutely. Certainly we're holding investigations, looking into what happened last week. There were breakdowns on many levels. And so both the Senate and the House are holding these investigative hearings. I tuned into the House yesterday to hear what was happening. The first uh, t people to testify were with um, the power generating companies. There were a couple that came in and explained what happened on their end. And to boil it down to layman's terms, because I am certainly not an engineer or an expert on power generation, uh, wet winterization is one of the factors that caused the problems. Some uh, generators do a better job of winterizing their facilities than others, um, but all of them had breakdowns just because of the amount of ice and the length, the duration of the storm. Another um, issue is that we don't maintain enough reserve power. 
And so they, they only keep what's needed, what they know that they can sell because of the profit motivation. And so that might be something that we have to mandate some changes to have more reserves on hand for emergencies like this. Uh, we might have to mandate some changes to how they winterize. And then the third thing was the communications. Uh, both gentlemen who came to testify in the house mentioned that they had started raising flags days before the emergency happened, saying that, look, we know that we can't generate enough power as it is, and we, we should be doing something about it. But the top officials in the state really didn't feel the urgency, didn't uh, do what was needed to communicate that to people. Right. And so when you're looking, you know, as a as a legislature, you know, what can we do? What can you all do in order to make these changes? A little bit about the structure for folks. Right. So we have ERCOT, we have the Public Utility Commission. What role does the legislature play here? If you you all can pass a law, a bill and then who implements it? You know, Can you talk a little bit about just like your power, I guess? Sure. So the legislature actually is at fault as well, because we, we oversee all of the state agencies. The governor, lieutenant governor, and speaker have the most power in the legislature, of course, and um, should have been mm, sounding the alarm as well. Um, so the PUC has three members appointed by the governor, and from some of the things that are coming out in those hearings is that there are some laws already that we have on the books that aren't being followed. For example, all of the generators, all of the system people um, and companies along the way in this power system are supposed to be setting up emergency plans and submitting those to the PUC on an annual basis. And one of the representatives in that hearing yesterday started asking these energy providers, can you, can you provide me with a copy of that plan and the 15 that you've provided to the PUC over the last 15 years? We don't think, uh, or it looks like those plans may not be in existence. So there's some things that are already in law that just those laws aren't being followed and we need to discover what they are and, and fix that. Plus a lot of bills are currently being filed um, to, to make some changes. I know I've, I've got a bill in there. Again, it's not my area of expertise, but what I am very interested in is the communications part. Uh, there are people who, we're on oxygen tanks who, with the loss of electricity, there was loss of life. Uh, people on dialysis, same thing. With a heads up, they might have been able to take some action to uh, mitigate what happened. And so that's one of the things that your bill seeks to address? Yes, one of my bills will address that and that uh, any provider of electricity, gas, or water has to notify their customer when there's an outage and they would have to notify them on a daily base, basis of any updates and when they can expect that outage to end. Yeah, that's an interesting one. You know, I, I definitely heard a lot of frustration and confusion about that um, from people all over as well about that lack of communication just from a resident side. Um, right. So you said a lot of bills have been filed um, what are some of the, I guess you kind of touched on them, but what are some of the concrete things or things you're seeing rise to the top as far as things the legislature might do um, or bills for the public to keep an eye out for in the coming weeks? Well, I think winterization is really the big thing. And there's so many different um, 
parts of the system from the gas providers to the transmission lines to the um, you know wind and solar every piece of the system had problems and so we need to see better winterization you know we focus so much when we talk about weatherization on summer and the heat um, but with climate change we're seeing more extreme temperatures and that's another interesting thing is that, uh, you know, climate change doesn't get spoken of much in Texas. Uh, it, it's a very difficult thing when you have a bill that addresses climate change to get that through, even to get a hearing for it. Right. So, and so, yeah, I was, I'm glad you mentioned climate change. I know that um, for the first time ever, the Texas House now has like a climate caucus, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, so that it is, it's a newly formed caucus on climate, the environment, and the energy industry. The hope was for it to be a bipartisan group of legislators who really want to tackle this issue and really start having some good conversations on both sides of the aisle. Um, so far, it, it seems to be only Democrats in the caucus. I think there's 17 of us at, uh, founding members, um, but since it just started, we'll, we'll grow that and try to bring in our friends from the other side of the aisle. Right. And what is a, a legislative caucus for people who aren't familiar? You know, it's just a group of legislators who have some shared interests who want to really push the conversation. It takes a lot to get a bill passed. And so, um, for example, Erin Sweener started the caucus. She last session was a part of the Environmental Regulation Committee that oversees Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. But this session, she chose to be on appropriations instead. And so, but she still wants to have a hand in what happens on environmental issues. And so it just brings people together to try to push ideas and bills through the process. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because I saw the announcement for this caucus a few weeks ago. And, you know, it seemed like one of the main goals was just to get the conversation started here in Texas about climate change and the importance of it. And wow, I mean, this past few weeks has really made the case for that, I think, for a lot of folks. Um, I wonder, I know there's been a lot of pushback also in the opposite direction, but I wonder how as a you know, as a group of lawmakers that care about climate change and putting that climate lens on it, like how we should be looking at this crisis we just had and and what kind of ways we can build like a more resilient and um, climate prepared uh, state. Absolutely. You know, um, there's been a lot of arrows directed towards wind and solar energy as a result of this. And I heard some of the testimony yesterday from uh, owners of wind and solar plants just saying, you know, we, we know that these are not going to provide the reliability at nighttime for solar or during times when it's not as windy for the wind farms. And so um, they actually, the, the wind energy came back online much more quickly than coal, for example. Um, it's a little bit easier to get them back going. Uh, coal plants take quite a, a bit of work to bring back online. So it's, it's good to have diversity in our, in our energy system. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I wanna, I wanna make sure we have some time also to talk about other bills that you might be working on, other things the legislature is working on this session. Obviously this is gonna be a big one, um, but 
another one that I have a question about, and I've been <laughs> wondering is especially, you know, as an Austin resident, I know there's been a lot of conversation about kind of this, like some kind of state takeover of our city's police department. Um, I know you cover a bigger swath of uh, the area than just the city of Austin, but can you give people an update or do you have any information about that just as like an Austin resident that is confused about what that means or what the legislature is doing on that? Yeah, I, I honestly don't think that will get through. The, the governor has, has suggested a number of different ideas around um, his dislike of Aus the city of Austin defunding the police, which is, which is really not what happened. The city did change their budget, but just like the state has in past times, you know, you determine what programs are working, what's not working and what needs to change departments. And I'll give an example. BPS has been having a hard time with our driver's license program. And so the, in the last session, we talked about moving that out of DPS and putting it into the Department of Motor Vehicles. Kind of the same thing, the city of Austin said, you know what, maybe it doesn't make sense to have our forensic lab within Austin Police Department. So we might move that outside. Our call center, 911 call center, maybe it doesn't make sense to have that within the police department. Maybe we can have that moved out of that department. So they're just trying to do a budget that serves the city the best way possible. You know, of course, the city of Austin believes in, in public safety, just like the state does. Uh, one thing that might happen, the governor suggested expanding the Capitol Corridor where the Department of Public Safety is already in charge of uh, security. Um, that might happen. I don't know. Right. And that corridor is just like what the area kind of surrounding the Capitol building. Correct. Yeah. Just the Capitol itself and, and some of the state buildings right there. Right. Um, and then what about you? What other bills are you focused on this session that are most important for you that you want to see kind of get through? Well, so uh, dealing with the environment, one of the bills that I'm, I really care a lot about, which deals with climate change, honestly, is, is a bill on flaring. We see a lot of flaring in West Texas, and I know it doesn't affect my district per se, but it, it affects all of us because it contributes to climate change. The amount of gas that is vented and flared in, in the Permian Basin could heat the homes and provide uh, gas for cook cooking on in seven in the seven major cities. Wow. So that's how, how much gas is just thrown away. My bill would simply disincentivize that. The oil producers are throwing it away because they see it as a, a waste. You know, they're trying to get the oil that they don't care about gas. So uh, my bill simply says, you know, you have the option to use that, to sell it, put it in a pipeline and sell it or use it on site to generate electricity on site. So, but if you choose not to do that, then you would have to pay a 25% tax. So that's yeah. what I'm working on. Another environmental one is, is uh, would allow the county to implement the WUI code, which is the wildland urban interface. Because of Steiner Ranch and the fires that we saw several years ago, we're trying to give counties the ability to do something that would help prevent fires like that in the future. And what does that code do in order to prevent that? Uh, it has some things in which relate to residential or commercial building. 
just how you build a home or a structure to make it more fireproof, whether that's a metal roof or just the materials that are used in the building or the, the landscaping around the home or building. Okay, got it. Um, and then as far as the public engaging with the legislature, I think this is always a frustrating thing. You know, I do a lot of civic education work in the community and you know, I tend to tell people to focus on city council because I feel like a lot of times that's where change seems like the least frustrating or it's less complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, what tips do you have for residents, especially given the legislature's role and what just happened? Like, what's the best way for us to engage with our legislator legislative system? Well, there's there's a lot of ways. There's actually a, a pretty good computer system where you can track bills. But for people that aren't familiar with the system, I always feel like it's easier to get started with a group that's already involved, say the Sierra Club, if the environment's your issue, or Environment Texas, or even the League of Women Voters has issues. They they already have a group and a system put together for coming to the Capitol to advocate, which might, if you're joining with a group, it's a little bit less intimidating than going on your own. Another example would be if you're interested in gun safety legislation, you could join up with Texas Gun Sense or Moms Demand Action um, or even Students Demand Action. So I I always suggest finding a group that supports the cause that you're most interested in and getting involved with the group. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then what about, you know, for particular for this um, issue around the grid, what's a good way for people to just like stay up to date? I know that you do some constituent meetings, a lot of local lawmakers do. Um, like how do people like keep the pressure on, I guess, I know there's a big fear, like we had a big storm in 2011 and not a lot was done. What tips do you have for Texans who want to like keep the pressure on our lawmakers? Yeah, absolutely. So there, we have been offering for people to submit testimony about what happened to them this past week. Uh, you can go to capital.texas.gov. There's, um, that's the, our website basically for the Capitol, both the Senate and the House, and there's a load of information there. But we are, this session, because of COVID, because of the pandemic, we are taking more written testimony than we did in the past. Uh, For any bill, written testimony will be accepted and it will go into the record. But um, always reaching out to your legislator, both Senator and representative and expressing your opinion it's great. We, we read all of the emails that come into our office and uh, that makes a difference. Yeah, I was going to ask how you use those emails and constituent comments, because I think for a lot of people, it feels like a black box or you're like, is this matter? Like, should I keep doing this? You know, how does your office use that? And what's the best way, at least for people to contact your office? Is it like messaging on social media? Is it sending an email? Is it giving a phone call? What do you suggest? You know, we try to be accessible all those ways, and some people are more comfortable with social media than others. We don't want to feel like you have to rely on that to reach us. So um, our phones are answered, our emails are answered, and uh, social media too. So whatever someone is comfortable with, I'm just, I try to be as accessible as possible. And we do have two constituent conversations a month where um, I try to keep the agenda open just to allow for people to ask their questions there. Uh, Constituents have helped us shape our legislation. That's what we do when we're not in session is we hold roundtables and we meet with folks to try to get 
a sense of what's really important in the district and the state. And then we, we base our legislation on those conversations. Yeah, that's great. So the people getting involved does matter. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. So before we close, I want to just give a chance to, so then like looking into the future, uh, this legislative session lasts until May 1st, right? Unless there's, it gets extended. Uh, yeah, I think May it's 1st? later in May but... or later in May. Okay. Until um, May. Um, what, what are we keeping an eye out on in the future? What do you expect to be coming in the next few weeks? Um, either, you know, about some of these climate change legislation or about this energy issues, what should people be keeping an eye out for? You know, this session is going to be really tough because I, looking back, even at last session, we were having our committee hearings beginning uh, February 12th through 13th. Uh, this time, our committees haven't really started meeting other than the special hearing that's going on to look into what happened last week and appropriations. Of course, they always get started early, um, but we're, we're going to have a compressed session with the pandemic and with this um, ice storm. It's going to be harder to get bills through, um, but yet we've seen several thousand bills have been filed already. So just um, I, I always suggest to people to put in your keyword, what's, what's your passion issue and try to follow that because there's really a lot of committees tackling a lot of subjects. And so you, you have to kind of focus in on what's important to you. Right. And then you mentioned it before, you know, this attempt of working together, working across the aisle, you know, the, the Texas legislature is majority Republican. Um, traditionally, you know, that is a party that hasn't been as interested in climate change or in regulation, right? That's kind of like not what they like to do. Um, mm -hmm. Do you do you see a way forward for you all to work together in order to actually do something about this crisis? I mean, I have seen a lot of motivated at least in talk, legislators from both sides saying like, we, we cannot let this stand. Like, are you feeling yeah. that vibe? Do you think there's uh, any like optimistic cope there? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, so many Texans were affected by this storm that I, I know that we can't just ignore it. And thankfully we are in session right now because with us being in session, we can, we can tackle it right now. Um, I've, I've already heard from some folks that we have laws on the books that call for better communications right now. And so sometimes it doesn't even require passing new laws. It's just digging out the books and saying, hey, we have this law right now. Our state agencies need to be doing a better job, whether it's the PUC or whether it's the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. But I do feel like um, we, we are reaching across the aisle a little bit better right now because of this emergency situation and, and people understanding everybody's lives were affected, whether they're Republican, Democrat, or not a party at all. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And that's our show for today. But before we wrap up, I wanted to recap a few key links and resources for you if you want to stay on top of what the legislature is doing with our electric grid. First of all, if you're not sure who represents you in the Texas legislature, you can look that up by visiting wrm.capital.texas.gov. And that's a capital with an O, wrm.capital.texas.gov. I'd recommend figuring out who your representative is, saving their contact info to your phone, and then following them on social media. 
many state lawmakers are posting regular updates on their social media pages about ERCOT, the electric grid, and how you can get involved. And if you happen to live in Representative Vicki Goodwin's district, try tuning in to one of her upcoming constituent conversations, which are held over Zoom. The next ones will be held on March 12th and March 25th, and you can find RSVP info by visiting her Facebook page. Okay, now that's really it for today, but be sure to stay tuned because next week we'll be returning to our Policing in Austin series with a special on policing and mental health. As always, you can find podcasts of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And one quick friendly request on this, if you like our show and you find it useful, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us to be seen and heard by more folks in Austin. So thank you in advance if you're able to do that for us. You can learn more about The Austin Common by visiting our website at theaustincommon.com or following us on Instagram at the underscore Austin underscore common. This show is hosted by me, Amy Stansberry, and produced by John Hoffner and broadcast via Co-op Studios, a cooperatively run community radio station based in Austin, Texas. To listen to more of Co-op's amazing lineup of shows, visit koop.org or tune in to 91.7 FM.